This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for hanging out with us today. How are you? I am good. How are you guys? Doing great. Glad to be here. Same. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to talk today. And so to get straight into things, you've been making music professionally for like almost a decade now. So I'm really curious how you knew that this was the path you wanted to take in life. Honestly, for a lot of my life, I never thought of this as an option. I actually plan on being a psychologist. Oh, wow. So I was studying psychology in high school and was planning to go to college for it. And then my senior year of high school, my friends and family made me do the talent show. Mm. Uh, So I was like 17. And I had always sang and played piano and written songs, but I never like did anything with it. I'd never performed or anything like that. And I did the talent show with a lot of kicking and screaming beforehand. And it just felt so amazing. Like I felt this feeling up there that I had never felt before. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like maybe I should drop all my plans and try to do this. This feels very high school (laughs) musical of you. Yeah. I was, you know, I was Troy Bolton before Troy Bolton was Troy Bolton, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's unsure. That was before I was in high school. Wow. So it was, it was an interesting little switch. And to my mother's dismay, I just decided not to go to college and just full pursue music. So now here you are. it really was all from that talent show. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was your earliest memory of music? Honestly, my first memory of music that pops into my head was me. I think it was at my aunt's house. I don't even know how old I was. Maybe like five or six. And I'm at my aunt's house and I'm on top of her stairs. And we're singing what's the name of the song, The Barbecue Stain in My White T-Shirt, the Tim McGraw song. And I was singing that with my aunt and my mom because that was like my song. And I was just like very, very little on top of like her like big staircase. For some reason, you said, what's your first memory? And that's the first thing that popped out of my head. So amazing. I guess that. Yeah. (laughs) Which I don't listen to Tim McGraw anymore, but it's still a great song. I love that. So I think like it's really cool to know kind of like people's back history with music. And I think like for musicians and people who've worked in the industry, we all have like our unique like origin stories, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's cool to hear kind of these anecdotes from you of you just like, (laughs) which also like I guess your talent show story is kind of like Zane Malik from One Direction. His mom was like, you're going to I audition and like bribed him to go do it's it it's fair i'm not quite at a zane level yet but <laughs> one day <laughs> similar starts yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about this in a couple of years yeah but i mean like with all this like because i know like sometimes these moments are like very influential for us as people and as we grow and because like you've kind of been releasing music for a while and w- within that you've been exploring different genres and having some like dance and maybe like hip-hop ish elements and then of course mm-hmm. your biggest hit love is gone with the dj duo slander you've been exploring just like a lot of different sounds so now like with a project like you're currently working on what has been this journey of finding your current sound a long one It's been one of the tougher things for me, I think, just because I love so many different styles of music. I'm not like a one genre kind of guy. And so it's been hard for me to find my sound because I listen to so many types of music that it also translates to me wanting to write that many types of music. So it's definitely been a long journey kind of figuring out what my sound is because a lot of people can love a lot of types of music, but they have their own sound for their artist project, you know? 
And I think very, very recently, I've finally started to come into that because I'm starting to, instead of trying to write something in a certain vein or trying to write something similar to a different song, I'm just going into sessions and just writing whatever I feel is like me, whatever feels like me. And I also feel like you don't need to be so stuck to like one sound, like be in in some sort of genre world so you're not like bouncing all over the place. But it doesn't need to be like super cut and dry the same thing. Like it can lean in different directions and have different influences from different places. So yeah, that's probably my biggest battle even to this day. And I'm getting better at it. But some days I want to write rock pop alt song. And then some days I want to write like a sad country pop song, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Have you done writing where you're kind of like working with other musicians to help their projects? Or have you mostly been writing for your own projects? Yeah. I mostly do my own, but I have written stuff for other people and written stuff for pitch and stuff like that, which is fun because you get to step into like a totally different yeah, world. Yeah. You get to wear a completely different hat. That's really interesting. And you talking about kind of going into the studio and just writing what feels right to you because we talk a lot about how like artists a lot of times get put into like these glass boxes by like their record label or management Mm -hmm. teams where it's like oh like you look a certain way you have to make this type of music and so Mm -hmm. with you saying that like you have been able to experiment so much have you not really faced that issue where like you're butting heads with people on your team where they're like oh you look this way or like oh your fans like this so you can't branch out as much no, I actually haven't had that at all. I've had that kind of more with myself than anything mm. because of like success in different genres. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like battling with myself. Like you may not want to make the style of music, but people like when you make the style of music. Yeah. And that was why for a couple of years, I wasn't really putting solo music out. I was just doing what was working. Yeah. But then I realized that I would rather do what I love and feel creatively fulfilled than yeah. just do like, it, it became more work than the love for it at that point. So I kind of battled with myself with that, but my label and management and nobody has ever like tried to get me to write a certain style or told me like, no, this song doesn't work for your sound or they've, they've always been very good with my creative freedom on it. That's really nice. I can only imagine like what it must be like putting that pressure on yourself. Like when you have something that is successful that like maybe wasn't the type of style that you like ever thought you were going to do. Mm -hmm. Did that make you feel like stuck in like a creative way when you started seeing success in a type of style of music that you didn't think you were going to be doing? Yeah, definitely. It's tricky. It's like an interesting dilemma to be in because you're doing well in a field, but your heart is in like a different field. So it's, it's interesting. So like if we're if we're thinking of your song Love Is Gone, which is the one that was done with the DJ Duo Slander, as I mentioned before, like I think it goes to show like the songwriting and like your vocal ability that's like especially the songwriting that just like connected with so many people. And so in a way, like I know you did the acoustic version of it, like it transcends genre because of the message of the song and so i think that's kind of like Mm -hmm. something cool to take from that it's like oh like people really connected with like my lyricism or like the way i deliver this song and it's beyond just being niched into a genre and that was what was cool about that one specifically because the acoustic was the one that had done so well and so it was cool that despite anything else when the music gets stripped down to a piano and a vocal it can still do something Yeah. yeah and that's that's hard in this day and age too because most of the music out there is is very niche and pop in like certain ways. And so my thing is, 
I've always wanted songs to sound good produced and then mm-hmm. to sound just as good, very, very stripped yeah. and very acoustic. Yeah. And so the fact that the acoustic version was what did that, it it felt good about the songwriting and the melodic structure of it versus just being like a pop yeah. song. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like you can kind of tell that like from your most recent music that you've put out and like how you've been pulling really heavily from like the rough breakup that you went through and like... Mm-hmm. Is it difficult for you to be that raw and real like in your music when you're really taking like a, such a significant moment in life and like a significant, I guess, like sad moment in life and putting it into like a work of art? Yeah, it's it's a tricky situation because it's real. Yeah, it's true. And so most of what I write about is real life experience for me. Some is about real life experience for somebody close to me that I drew inspiration from. Some is from movie scenes that I watched that inspired me and I wrote a song about it. And so when I put out stuff like that, I feel connected to it musically, but not as much lifestyle wise. For this project, every song is painstakingly true. And it's all like not that long ago. So it's weird to have written my soul out into things and then be releasing them and like promoting them. It just feels very interesting and very vulnerable because it's like I'm not normally somebody that is super open and pushing and forward about like how I'm feeling or what I'm going through I'm not very like in your face about that kind of stuff and so by but by promoting this music it basically feels like I am that way because I'm promoting the music that's saying how I felt and stuff so it's it's an interesting little feeling between all of that yeah, but I'm I am sure. very proud of, of the work. I mean, like, this trio of songs is, like, heartbreaking. I was joking with Jenna. I was <laughs> after we, like, wrote up the questions. I was like, I'm, I'm just crying in my apartment for the past three hours. <laughs> I'm like, no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> and I mean, like... I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it was very cathartic. It was wonderful. <laughs> 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 but I mean, like, it is kind of like a chronological tale of a breakup. And I think it's interesting because while the songs lyrically and sonically go together they also you can tell not only through the lyrics but in the music itself like that different emotions are happening and so like how did you decide to like tell this story in that way i just started writing it Mm -hmm. i didn't plan on writing a project i didn't plan on writing a project in chronological order i just started writing music it took me a little bit to start writing again but i did and as I was writing, I kind of realized like, oh, every song that I'm writing is kind of where I'm at in this breakup and like what I'm going through at this moment. And there were a couple that I wrote that didn't make the project. But after like listening to a few of them, I was like, wow, this is kind of telling a story. What if I continue to tell the story as time keeps going on? And so I just kept writing it. It was not really planned. It was really just what I was feeling at that moment. Like when I wrote Killing Me, I was just sad. When I wrote Did You Tell Him About Me, I had just figured a bunch of stuff out and was like asking myself and her all of these questions, you know? And then as the songs go on, Did You Tell Him About Me is really the last sad song. It starts to get a little angrier and a little happier at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And it really just like writing the last song felt like it was like closure on that whole situation because it was a long writing process. Yeah. And it went from like devastated, like sad, what's going on to like, I'm so much better now. And it was just like, it felt like such a physical way of 
creating closure yeah. in a situation. That's very interesting. Because sometimes you have to make your own closure and you have to make your own peace with things. But I'm curious, have you had a chance to perform any of these more emotional songs live at all? Because I feel like writing it is one thing, releasing it is one thing, and then performing it in front of people is like also another scary thing that you're not even necessarily thinking about like when you're in the writing process. Yeah, um, not really. I did like a very small acoustic little pop-up a couple of days ago and I sang a couple of them for like 80 people in the backyard. So it was very small scale style of it. I haven't done like a full performance of all of these songs. My first time doing that will be a month from yesterday actually. So in, oh, wow. in a little bit less than a month, I'll be playing all the songs for the first time, really. And yeah, that should be a <laughs> interesting, interesting situation to feel, especially because I already get so emotional on stage anyway, because I'm like so high adrenaline and yeah. like all these things are going on. I'm like, ah, this is going to be a little risky, but it's fine. Well, it's all like, la I think it was last summer, last July, you played like some really big shows in LA. I mean, how has it been when you have had these opportunities to connect with your listeners on stage it's my favorite thing to do absolutely my favorite thing about music is performing like playing these shows i just like i said it's just the exact same feeling i got at the talent show when i was 17 you know it's just something that i can't describe and it feels so amazing to be able to connect with people and to see firsthand that the art that i've written has made some sort of an impact on people because on social media, it's like, I'm really not a big social media person. And it gives me very big imposter syndrome. And so I can put music out and I can get X amount of streams and can do X, Y, and Z. And I can get comments saying, oh, I love this and blah, blah, blah. But you don't like feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it almost feels fake to me. Like these people aren't really listening. These people don't really like it. Like, you know, I don't yeah. know why. It's like You can't like quantify thing. it. Exactly. And so when you're on stage and you play the first chord of a song, and all these people yell and all these people start singing the words back to you and there's people crying in the yeah. audience and like you're you're like oh i'm actually doing something like, yeah this is yeah. actually like touching people like it's doing what i've always dreamed of and so it's it, it never gets old ever. yeah i imagine that's such yeah. a big rush of energy <laughs> i'm at like <laughs> yeah it's really intense adrenaline like i don't know if either of you've ever had like a panic attack mm -hmm. but it's very similar but you have like a different outlook on what's happening uh -huh. so it's really weird yeah because you get all those effects of the do panic attack like... but it's like for <laughs> do, good do you just like black out <laughs> like do you remember anything i don't black out probably because i've had so many panic attacks in my life that i just know how to <laughs> i know how to remember them but you get some weird stuff like uh, before i went up from my la show last year mm -hmm. it was like my first solo headline i was really really nervous and it had been like months of build up and like hours and hours and hours and hours of rehearsal. And like, I put my soul into this show and I'm standing side stage and like this intro video we made starts playing and it's like me on the screen and it's talking and I hear these people screaming and I have like mics in my ears for the crowd so I can yeah. hear them out there. And I had so much adrenaline surging that like my hands and my arms and my face went completely numb. Oh my god and there's like a video like my my friend is like videoing me on the side stage while i'm about to go out these people are cheering and i'm like trying to like get hyped up and i'm like i can't feel my face or my <laughs> yeah, hands like yeah. oh my god. they're numb so i like walked out and i was like i hope i don't drop the mic yeah like i don't want to hold the mic and like like not feel my hands and then it just falls out of my hands <laughs> yeah and so yeah it's an interesting situation wow but it's amazing. Um, yeah. I know that's why it's I'm amazing. like live, like performing is just a whole other beast of like writing the music is one thing, performing is like 
entirely different just like part of your brain and like everything that's happening is like a lot to take in yeah it's definitely different you're like reliving the song in that moment with people who are in real time feeling those emotions too and so like that must be like a whole other thing like that's what i always am shocked by like when you go to like a, a concert and somebody sings like a very emotional song and you know that the other fans in the audience are feeling emotional from it and it's like you can feel those emotions i'm sure like radiating off the fans and onto you and so it just must be like so like so overwhelming having all of that it is especially when like your songs are so personal to you and Mm -hmm. people have been so outspoken about the fact that like they have helped them through like their own breakups and their like own relationship issues so like i can only imagine what that must be like so it's a very overwhelming situation it's a lot of emotions it's a lot of roller coaster it's do you guys go to live shows a lot yes yeah are you familiar then yourselves with like post-concert depression when you go to a show and you're all sad yeah the post-concert depression i get after i play shows Mm -hmm. is like next level yeah because i'm on such a high and so much adrenaline and feel like on top of the world and you feel all these emotions from the people like you're saying like from the crowd it like is just building you so high that when it's over and it's done and you go back to normal life it's rough it's crazy it's a big roller coaster yeah and that's why i think a lot of people end up like taking time off after tours that have that same kind of feeling because yeah it's like so good but then it's so low after it's very like draining yeah yeah Yeah. it's wild so it's it's interesting but i'm not at that point yet i wanna i'm cool with the roller coaster (laughs) get me out there the highs are worth the lows yeah and so in speaking of like these emotional roller coasters both like in our personal lives and like in everything related to music and also you have a song titled boys do cry i'm curious about your relationship with mental health because like in our society there's usually a pretty big stigma around men talking about like mental health or seeking help for mental health so do you feel like you've had to deal with any of this stigma personally yes i think it's definitely a big thing especially on the men's side i mean for everybody honestly i know there's a lot of cultures and people that that don't believe in therapy or talking about any of that kind of stuff in general but i think specifically men are always supposed to be the strong ones the ones that keep it together the ones that you know, the whole rub some dirt in it kind of <laughs> yeah. lingo. And so I've definitely felt that not from like my family, yeah. but from society. I know a lot of people have like stern, manly fathers and people that are like that. I was lucky enough to have a very, very open, emotional father. Yeah. And he's very, very like, that's, I got none of that from him at all. Yeah, but that's good. society and the world, you know what I mean? It's, it's very, you got to keep it together you don't need this, you don't need that. And that's why, I don't know, there's very large proof that men need to talk about it more because of the percentages of different things that go on in that world. And so I just kind of was thinking about that one day and ended up writing that song. And it's kind of like an overarching thing. It's not just about that. It's about all the different things that, especially nowadays with a lot of people fighting back and forth for like traditional masculinity, yeah, not traditional masculinity and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of opening the, the conversation that it doesn't need to be such a squared in box. Yeah. You don't have to be super traditionally masculine or the polar opposite. Yeah, you know, definitely. There's, there's middle lines. You can be whoever you want. Yeah. And so I guess, again, like with 
your songs being so emotion forward. Have you had situations where fans have reached out to you, whether that be on social media or like when you have done shows in regards to like the mental health side of it kind of being like, I don't know, like I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but kind of like the situation of being like, oh, because I found your music or whatever the case is like this, like open the door to like being more comfortable being emotional because I have heard other artists talk about especially like male artists that have music that kind of spans genres talk about how male music fans have found their music and then been like oh this guy's being so open with his emotions to everyone maybe like this is okay have you ever had like instances like that where fans have like come to you and talked about that yeah i've gotten more than i ever expected or could hope for of people a talking about being more open or making changes because of a certain thing they heard and just a lot of like this song made me look at this differently mm. and a lot of like crazily enough like this song saved my relationship or saved oh, wow. me or something mm-hmm. in that world which is like one of the craziest things that i could imagine and all i could hope for really with putting any sort of art out into the world is is having an impact on somebody and so yeah people have definitely come to me a lot after shows they'll message in social media and it's just crazy. It's That's the kind of thing that's so crazy about social media too versus seeing people in real life is mm-hmm. you'll have these conversations with people in person sometimes and you impacted them so much and they tell you about it, but you had no idea. Yeah. You're just, you're just living your life. You wrote a song that you felt strongly about and you're doing your thing, but, and that's how I am with so many artists. Like there's so many songs and artists and albums and movies and things that have like fully impacted my life and like made me make completely different decisions or like changed who I was but those people have no idea yeah you know so it's always just like a really interesting paradox I don't know yeah I mean I think like in this era also of like artists essentially feeling a need to be more accessible because of like the huge role that social media plays in music promotion and like being in contact with fans what is your relationship like with social media like not only as an artist but like as someone who does play like such a big role in people's lives by like narrating through song i guess i have a tricky relationship with social media i think we all do (laughs) yeah i personally am not a huge fan of it at this moment in time i love the fact that i am able to connect with people from anywhere in the world at any time And I love that I can show different sides of me and put content and music and things into the world that we're not able to be out there like that at an earlier time in our lives. But there's so much going on in social media now. There's so much just craziness and it's really hard to keep up with. And like from a personal side, you're seeing all these people's lives, but you're seeing the tip top moments of them. And it makes you feel worse about what you're doing, potentially, whether it's I'm not doing enough or I'm not at the place that I want to be or I don't look how I want to look or anything like that. And then from a like business music standpoint, it's really, really hard right now because no longer are we just musicians and artists. We're social media marketers. And so like part of the job description now is knowing how to promote music on TikTok, on Instagram, on all the different things, like how to make videos, how to create virality. And so 
it's hard because to me, I'm like, I just want to be an artist. I want to write songs. I want to put songs out. I want to play songs for people live. But 80% of that now is figuring out ways to make short form content that follows a trend that's going to fit between the millions of other people doing it. And so that part gets pretty exhausting. It feels a lot more work-ish than music. And some people love it. Some people are really, really good at the social media thing. They love making the videos. They love doing the trends and doing this. And that's amazing. All the power to them. I think I'm like two years too old. And it's just a little too hard for me now. <laughs> you should have just been under that, like the Gen Z millennial. You should have just been like a few years exactly. younger. You would have been fine. Just a, like two, maybe three years yeah. younger and I'd be thriving right now. <laughs> Well, I think it's really interesting because Sarah and I were talking about this recently of like musicians were never accessible like pre-social media. Like in the 80s, if you think about like what fandom looked like back then, it was a lot of people showing up in real life to go to concerts. And if anything, you knew like about the musician because they did an interview or they were on like a tv talk show or a radio talk show and that was like it as far as like what you knew them and then like when we get to the 2000s we have paparazzi and so now we're just like seeing them all over the place all the time but like these musicians like never had to be like fully 24 7 public personas like i feel like with social media not like on top of like yes having to like participate in viral trends but there's also the aspect of like you having to share more of yourself so do you feel like that has been like an issue or like something that you've thought about? Yeah, it's completely different. You you said it spot on. And that's one thing that some people like and some people don't like is that before there was kind of some mystery to artists. Right. Yeah. And I personally like yeah. that. Yeah. I like same. that I don't know. <laughs> I, I I like that I don't know what Harry Styles is doing right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where he is. Same. I don't know what songs he's listening to. I don't know what he ate for breakfast. I don't know his gym routine. I don't know it. And like that mystery keeps me intrigued. You're speaking you know? our language. But then yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything Harry Styles I can talk about. But like a lot of times now people are posting so much and saying like, to go back to Doja Cat, love her. She's great. Amazing. But her on social media, I feel like I know everything about her. Yeah. She like does like these crazy faces and talks in these crazy voices. And you're like, but if you saw her like performing on like the MTV awards, you'd be like, that's a completely different yeah. person, you know? Yeah. And there's like pros and cons to both of it. But I think, I don't know, there's just something about social media that's like, show everything you're doing in a day. And it's like, yeah, I don't even want to show my friends everything yeah. I'm doing <laughs> in a day. Like, yeah. Why, you know? Like, yeah. I'm just living my life. And a lot of it is like, you got to do something cool so that people see it and think you're, and I'm like, I spent the day reading a book. I built a birdhouse for the birds that are in my backyard. You know? You're so cottagecore. Took my dog for a run. Like, I know. It's, yeah, it's a bit of an issue. But that's but what I'm saying like, is like cottagecore people would eat that up. It's literally like the double-edged sword of it's like, to me, this is boring. I don't want to tell people about this. But then there's like a whole segment of the internet that would care. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing at this point. I'm on like dad bod TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but that's the thing is it's like, there's so many sides of TikTok. There's so many sides of like Twitter and Instagram. There's so many places that you can wind up. And like we've talked mm. to other artists before and we've talked about it on our podcast as well of just like this pressure for musicians to also be content creators. And like you said a lot of this before where I was like, this man is living in my brain right now. <laughs> where It's just like these are thoughts that like we've had and things we've said about just like this pressure to be so much more than just a musician 
And I feel like mm-hmm. musicians are already putting so much of themselves and their lives like out there in their music that on top of that, it's like just like any artist is like giving so much of themselves to the public. And I feel mm-hmm. like when you're at the size you are, it's so much harder. And I feel like there's so much more pressure to do that. Whereas like Harry Styles is allowed to like, yeah, he's allowed do to be he mysterious. Wants and nobody. Yeah. yeah. He's allowed to disappear. Yeah. I can only imagine what it would be like when there is that pressure, kind of like that voice in the back of your head of being like, I must be so accessible when I'm like, but your music is already so accessible. I feel like I know everything about you already. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the hard part is like, I just told the entire world that my ex of five years was cheating on me. And now you want me to show you my smoothie recipe? Like, (laughs) let me have something, you know, like... I need something for myself. Like, this is crazy. Drop the skincare routine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm also not good at, like, I'm not good at being influencer I yeah. don't know if that's a word, but we're, we're keeping yeah. it today. Like, I like conversating with people. Yeah. I'm sitting and talking to you like this. Amazing. I love this. But, like, me sitting with my camera screen, like, yeah. just me trying to, like, yeah, tell a story. I hate it. It just feels weird yeah because it's like i'm talking to myself you know what i mean like it just feels interesting i'm not good at that so i don't know it's a it's a tricky situation but i just want to make music and and be happy you know that's really yeah (laughs) say it again So to wrap things up, I mentioned a little bit before, the ethos of Name Three Songs is to empower fangirls, and we think it's important to be a critical consumer and celebrate the things that we love unapologetically. So what do you love unapologetically? What do I love unapologetically? What would you consider yourself a fangirl of? I feel like I'm a fangirl of so many things. I love that. I mean, I'm definitely, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely a fangirl of Harry Styles. <laughs> I'm a fangirl of Pinterest. Nice. Nice. I'm a fangirl of Too Little Too Late by JoJo. I can't stop listening nice. to it. I know it's like 10 years old, but it's my favorite thing Classics. ever. I'm a fangirl of a lot of things. Amazing. Those are my I top three. A jack of I all think trades. that that's a solid top three. Very solid. <laughs> solid top three. It's very, it's, it's very interesting. I want them on my tombstone. Harry Styles, <laughs> Pinterest, and Too Little Too Late. TikTok's going to go crazy with this. <laughs> I mean, you're amongst uh, your your people here because all we talk uh, about is Harry Styles. Like Jenna said, we do like this fangirl nonsense thing at the beginning of most episodes and all summer was taken up by Harry Styles because Love on Tour was like so accessible. Oh, I went four times in LA. Four oh, times. Really? So you don't you don't gotta you don't gotta talk to me. He's Amazing. one of my favorite performers, favorite artists, favorite human beings. I think he's incredible. So Love that. (laughs) Okay. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you for having me. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.